was a week after that first Easter, and the doors were still shut tight. The disciples gathered, and they came together, but there was still some fear and doubt among them. A week before, Jesus stood in their midst, had entered the locked room in the darkness, symbolic of their tomb. And Jesus spoke a word of peace to them. Peace, not just the stopping of conflict, but wholeness of God. Peace, that God life where things are put back together. Jesus announced an Easter greeting, and then he breathed on them. He gave them the breath of life. And in a scene that's very much like God at the beginning of creation, when God took the soil and formed the human creature and then breathed into it life animating our ancestor. So God did that again to these disciples. But a week later, the door was still locked. Easter is not a magic wand. It's not a magic wand that you just can wave over life and make life rosy, make all the bad things disappear. Rainbows and lollipops and unicorns. Easter doesn't work like that. Easter comes into locked rooms where disciples are afraid and maybe a little unsure, perhaps even doubting. Easter comes into locked spaces and announces the peace and the presence and the grace of God. Easter announces hope. Since last week, there's been a lot of things to despair of again. And I wish I could just not have to mention these things on Sunday morning, but it seems like week in and week out, there's all sorts of things that are happening in our world that bring about fear, that make us turn inward, make us defensive. Last Sunday, as we were gathering here with the beautiful music, beautiful decorations, the joy of Easter, on the other side of the globe in Sri Lanka, Christians were targeted by a terrorist attack. 359 people died, both in churches and in hotels. We live in a dangerous world. And it's not just them, it's also us. Later in the week, on the last day of Passover celebration, a 19-year-old breaks into a house of worship and kills murders a Jewish woman who was there, ironically, to say prayers for the dead. And after they arrested him, they found his social media account, and it was filled of hatred against the Jews, filled with all sorts of horrible thoughts. It is in the context of such things that Easter is announced Easter is announced in locked rooms and it invites people, believers, you and me, 
to respond, to direct our lives not by fear or by the horrible things that are happening. It invites us to direct our lives by the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God, to move in a direction of life. Now, Thomas wasn't there with the rest of the disciples. He didn't get to see the hands and the feet. He didn't get to see Jesus that first time on Easter Sunday. So he had all sorts of doubts. But that second week, into the second week's locked room, Jesus enters and he gives Thomas what he needs in order to believe. He shows Thomas without Thomas even asking. He shows him his hands and his side. And Thomas worships, my Lord and my God. Jesus breathes the peace of Easter into his life. And Thomas will take that gift with him. From that locked room, St. Thomas will travel all over, all the way to India forming a church, proclaiming God's grace and forgiveness in Jesus' name. Easter does that. It breaks into those locked and scary places, and it gives the power for the church to be the hands and the feet of Christ. There's a story that can be told of a church in New Jersey. It was in a well-to-do neighborhood in a county that wasn't so well-to-do and the church knew how to take care of its own. Some might describe it as a, a little enclave, a club, an organization which everyone came and was happy to be there. Well, Kim wasn't happy to be there. Well, she was happy to be there, but she had heard that people in her county were homeless. And a bunch of churches got together and they were trying to do something about that. So she brought the idea, let's us use this building that stands vacant throughout the week, let us use it to house people who don't have a home. She spoke that word into locked rooms. And when that word was once spoken, it wasn't received very well. People put up all sorts of barriers. We can't do that. What would happen to our building? What would happen to our insurance? What would happen to this? Their fear, and some of that fear, was racially motivated. Because those people that would come would not look like us. But Kim kept at it. With the help of the pastor, she gathered others. She breathed the life of Easter. And eventually, the church got the courage to invite the homeless to stay over. It was one of the founding churches of a hospitality movement in North Jersey. And years later, Kim was recognized by President Bush as one of those points of light. 
You see, she allowed the light of Easter to shine in the darkness of her life. The darkness of a church that didn't know how to open its doors to the neighborhood. A church that was used to being a club, taking care of itself. She spoke a word of forgiveness and hope that broke open those doors. And it was one of the foundational ministries that saved the soul of that church. Because from that point onward, it became involved not only with the homeless, but with feeding ministries and soup kitchens and reaching out and making a difference in a community that had no problem taking care of itself, but didn't know how to be the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus out in the world. Folks, when God breathes the breath of Easter, it comes to us in our locked places. It comes to us as communities and individuals who are stuck in the past, in our traditions, in what feels comfortable. But the light of Easter, the breath of Easter, and this is what gives it hope, it breaks in and it animates us to respond in new ways, with new courage and new life. May the light and the breath of Easter animate us as we go forward to be the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus. In this week, amen. <laughs>